I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25. We're going to read through the first nine verses this morning. And this is the introduction to the tabernacle. First of all, uh, before we do that, I, I just want you to grab your worship folder and look in the front. And you see that, that artwork there. That was uh, done by Brenda Spoolstra, and it, it really fits what we're trying to do here. Here's what I want you to imagine. Uh, that circle, oftentimes in art, represents God. God is a circle, no beginning, no end, you know, completeness, all that other sort of stuff. And yet there needs to be some way which we as humanity um, interact with God through some human constructions. That's the straight lines. That's the straight lines that sort of try to frame God and, and give us a picture of him, which in essence really is the tabernacle. So Brenda has done this. She's working on some other artwork for the course of this series. If you see her, tell her you like it. I do. I think it's great. I, I think it's very helpful. It's helpful for me to visualize things. So we got a lot of good stuff going on with this series, and we're going to start it today in Exodus chapter 25. As we gather around God's word together, let's pray for his blessing blessing and for his presence. We praise you, O God, for your word and this teaching on the tabernacle, that we understand more about who you are and how we can worship you and give you praise through this teaching from so, so very long ago, ancient teaching. We pray that, God, that you move through the Holy Spirit, that we can see you here, that we can see Jesus in this because he is also very present. May we understand more. May we desire you more. May we want to follow you more. May we be able to worship you more. We pray, Father, that you continue to show us yourself today and equip us for the week ahead, that as we see you and know your presence, we may be energized to be a part of your kingdom to show your love to the world that you have shown to us. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen. From God's word, Exodus chapter 25. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hide, hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why this series and why the tabernacle? Well, 
If you remember uh, several months ago, we introduced the idea of our new mission, our new vision, and our new values here at the river, not trying to replace everything that we've always been about, but really trying to enhance what we do by recognizing what God continues to, how God continues to shape us and move us as a Christian community. And I introduced to you, first of all, our mission statement, and our mission statement is to create disciples who put God God's love on display to the world. Our vision is to see a people inspired by God's love, faithfully sharing that love with the world around them. And within that, we have three values. The first value that we spent time with was love shared, or sorry, love given. Love given is the idea of reaching out to others, serving others, giving to others. And then we talked about love shared, what relationships we have within this community, and we spent some number of weeks looking at that. This series is the third of our values on worship, love received, love received from God, and it especially fits into our vision to see a people inspired by God's love, the faithfully sharing that love with the with the world, in essence, using the love we receive from God as fuel to do all the other things in the kingdom of God. And as we work this through, I'm thinking, okay, how do we hit worship? Because we, again, we've hit postures of worship and different things. And then I sort of came to this point of I was reading through the Old Testament and saw the tabernacle. And if you know anything about the tabernacle, maybe, maybe you don't, but the tabernacle became really the first formal place of worship that God commanded his people to gather around. This is the one that he gave instruction. This is pre-temple, the temple that ultimately Solomon would build, build years later in Jerusalem. This tabernacle becomes really the first formal construction which equips God's people to know his presence and then also gain a rhythm of worship in relationship to God. And so you're going to see over the next several weeks, as we walk through not only the temple or the tabernacle construction itself, but then the items of furniture that God called his people to build and place within the tabernacle, that really what he was doing was showing them, okay, here's how you're going to know your presence. But within that, also then giving them some commandments, some calls to obedience, that would create a rhythm of worship for God's people. To this point, they don't have those clear commands on worship. In fact, when we hit here in Exodus, Exodus is still even before Leviticus and then we get Deuteronomy, that's where all this lost stuff begins to come. All the other things that sort of create a rhythm within it, in the lives of God's people. This tabernacle is the rhythm of worship. So for us to spend time with the tabernacle and understand the rhythm of worship for God's people is important. But then also within that, because we could very quickly say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. We're, we, we're New Testament Christians, so we don't need to know much about the tabernacle. To see within the tabernacle truly Christ being shown to us many, many years before the incarnation happened and he came to earth. So there's going to be a lot going on here. 
And I want you to just be able to stay with me. And if you, there's, there's a lot of teaching out there on the tabernacle. There's a lot of teaching in God's word because we're going to walk through the construction. Some of the other commands about the tabernacle we'll reference. But these are the sorts of things that I want to encourage you to reach out in different places. Do a little bit of learning maybe even on your own. Maybe there's something that's going to pique your interest and you want to discover a little bit more. Follow that. See where that goes. Maybe ask some questions of me or Pastor Will or Nick or other uh, leaders within the church and maybe we can help you understand more about this there's there's a lot of good stuff here i think for us to learn so we get these people and they're trying to figure out how they're going to know god's presence because that's really one of the desires of israel they want to know god's presence they saw his presence when he led them out of Egypt. We know that because he had the pillar of cloud, the pillar of light. That was God's presence leading them out of the desert, or leading them into the desert and out of slavery. But we see over and over again, especially in the wanderings, that the people want to know God's presence. Why? Because if he's not there, something happens. That's problematic and becomes a challenge for them. God had made promises to his people and confirmed those promises in, ex- in, in chapter, actually chapter 24, the previous. You see the previous chapter is the covenant confirmed. But God knows the fickleness of Israel. He knows that if they lose sight of him for a short period of time, bad things go on. And if we need a reminder of that, all we got to do is flip a couple chapters forward to Exodus chapter 32, and really quickly, what do we see? We see the golden calf. And this is happening while God is commanding Moses on how it is that he, he's supposed to lead them in the building of the tabernacle. His presence among them. And Moses and, and God are up on the, the mountain for a while. And so Israel loses the presence of God for a little bit while Moses and God are talking. And what happens? They get off track and people die because of it. God's people want to know God's presence and be reminded of it regularly. And if they're not, things go off track. Now... Of course, we want to condemn Israel, especially for the golden calf thing. And we want to say, okay, uh, you know, what were you doing? And as we read that story, we see they simply wanted to know the presence of a God. They knew God, but they wanted to know at least that presence. So they made a physical presence of this calf. I don't think that we can say that because they did that, they didn't love God. I think they loved God. I think Israel always loved God. They just didn't know how to exercise that love. Even within the context of books like the Judges, I think they would have said, God, Yahweh is a pretty good guy, but you know what? I'm still going to go my own way and do what is right in my own eyes. Why? Because I don't see him. And I don't know him. And I don't have the rhythm of life that brings me to him. And they will quickly fall away unless that rhythm is there, unless they have the rhythm of worship in their lives, and that regularly moves them to acknowledge God's presence. Because that's what the tabernacle is. It's God's presence. Where does God live? God lives between the angel wings above the ark. We're going to talk about that next week. 
That's where God lives. That's his space. And this is a construction that shows Israel, God's presence. They will know he is there. And the rhythm that he commands them to within that will help them walk with him, live with him, worship him in a way that empowers them towards faith and life and hope and all the things that uh, uh, walking with God is all about. This text that we're reading this morning, it's the beginning of that rhythm of worship. And yes, it is an offering, but there's so much more to it, which we'll get to in a moment. The reason I bring all this up is I think that we mirror Israel in a lot of this. We need and we want God's presence and we can quickly forget it if it doesn't if we don't experience it. How many of you have had extraordinary spiritual experiences where it was like you and God were nose to nose? Anyone? Maybe it was like a worship conference, maybe even a worship service, maybe a private prayer time. And we long for those sorts of things regularly, don't we? We want that. I want that. I want to feel like I am my hand is clutching God's hand, that his presence is so overwhelming to me that when I breathe in a breath, that I'm breathing the very breath of God into me. I, I want to feel that feeling in my chest where it's almost my, my whole being is so very light and I've known these experiences in worship that have brought me to those places and to those spaces. And those are powerful, wonderful, incredible things. But I know they also end. I can remember San Diego State University. I don't remember what year it is. Probably 1994, we'll call it. I remember sitting there. Ron Hutchcraft is up on the stage. Ron Hutchcraft is giving the call to a group of kids, high school kids, to come commit their lives to Christ, recommit their lives to Christ. The band is just cranking it. I've got kids along who I know don't know Jesus, and they're starting to come forward in droves. And it was like I couldn't even breathe because the Spirit of God was so powerfully present in that moment. It was incredible. And I remember going home two days later and sitting in my office. And in part because you're coming off a big long trip with a lot of work. It's sort of the same hangover that a lot of you have this morning after the Holland Festival. You're just tired. You're drained. You're wiped out. And I remember sitting in my office going, what was the purpose of all that? I had known God's presence in a very powerful, real way. And two days later, it was like it wasn't even there. I want that all the time. How do I know more of that? Oh, certainly we can't experience those sorts of things every moment of every day, but there are things that we can be about that God can do in us to move us more towards his presence. And that's really what I think the point of the rhythm of worship of the tabernacle is. It highlights for us, some things that will lead us more deeply into God's presence, powerfully impact us in some ways where we may not know that breath that empowers us through the Spirit in the same way those incredible experiences do, but we will be empowered nonetheless to walk with God and experience Him. How can we regularly 
tune our hearts to sing God's praise every day. That's what the tabernacle is about. Beth, is, is this piano been tuned recently? No? Okay. Still sounds great, by the way. I didn't even notice. But it's one of those things that if you want a piano to sound right, regularly you have to tune it. And the challenge that many of us have, I know I have, is that I don't bring the tuner in. I don't allow the tuner to come to tune my heartstrings, to tune my mind, to tune my words. I don't move towards that regular rhythm, that scheduled thing. And I know you're going to start to say this is legalistic Christianity. I don't think it's legalistic Christianity at all. I think it's simply being obedient to who God made us to be as followers of him. And when we get out of that rhythm, difficult things happen for us. Maybe not life turns upside down. But we don't know God's presence and his power. And we don't speak his words as readily. Our heart is not tuned to him. Jeremy was a, a young man recently out of college who had experienced some of these sorts of extraordinary spiritual experiences. He'd been to a conference called Passion in college. Some of you know what passion is. Passion is this powerful college ministry that brings students onto a campus. You know, several thousand students go and worship God and go to workshops and seminars and different things. And Jeremy went to these sorts of things a couple times over his college career and powerfully experienced God. And he was somebody who came back from those things on fire and started Bible studies on campus but then he did the thing which is so difficult for so many people at that age he graduated and when he graduated then all of a sudden it was like the rudder on the ship had to be checked out again because he didn't exactly know where he was going he found a job but in terms of his spiritual walk spiritual life Jeremy it, was, it wasn't the same you don't go to passion conferences when you're 25 because the only people there are 22 years old and the people there think that if you're 25 and you're there that you're just looking for a girlfriend or something like that. So it's uncomfortable. So Jeremy basically said, okay, well, I need to get engaged with the life of a church. And he did what uh, folks at that age often do. What do they do? They church shop. They're trying to find places in order to, for them to connect. Which is absolutely appropriate. You want to find a vibrant community. A place where you can be encouraged and grow. And people will care about you and love you. And say some of the things, Lord willing, that we heard our new members say when we watched that video several moments ago. And Jeremy was looking for that sort of thing. And he just, he, for whatever reason, he wasn't finding it. And he would go to a church for a couple of weeks. And he'd go to this church for a couple of weeks. And this church to a couple of weeks. And it seemed like he began to run out of churches on the list of churches that he could go visit. And he just, all of a sudden, he's looking and he's thinking to himself, you know what, I don't even want to go to church on Sunday right now. I don't, I don't even really feel like going anymore. Maybe I'll just read my Bible. Maybe I'll just, you know, play my guitar and sing some worship songs in my house on Sunday morning. So he got sort of into that mode and he started doing that and then all of a sudden he wakes up one Sunday morning, somebody invites him to go out to the mountains and take a hike and he says, well, I can worship God up there. 
and I can do that. So he does that for several weeks where he just goes up into the mountains and he goes hiking and he finds a little spot and he's quiet and he sings praises to God and he reads a little bit of the Bible. And then a couple weeks later, he realizes that he forgets his Bible. And it doesn't take long before he doesn't even find a quiet spot. He just goes out hiking and with a couple friends and then not long after that the only thing he's looking forward to on Sunday morning is the restaurant they go to after breakfast or after the hike for breakfast Jeremy lost his rhythm he lost his rhythm he lost the rhythm that God had designed for him a rhythm of worship a rhythm that tunes one's heart to sing God's praise within a context within a community where there's accountability, mutual encouragement, mutual love, mutual support. There can be challenges brought to you. There can be words spoken, Lord willing, from the front that you haven't heard before or thought about before or it's a same idea spoken in a new way that challenges you. Jeremy got out of tune and it didn't take but about a year for him to look at his life and say, Do I even know God anymore? Now again, I'm not speaking about some sort of legalistic, ritualistic Christianity where you and I need to be making sure we dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's. Make sure you're at church twice every Sunday. Make sure that you're giving of your perfect tithes 10%. Make sure that you're doing this, getting a part of a small group. Your prayer life is perfectly regularly and your Bible reading is consistent every day. That's not what I'm saying the Christian life is about, but I am saying there is something to that that tunes us to who God makes us to be. And when we get out of tune, it doesn't take much for the world to enter in and take a part of us over or even get us one bite at a time to the death of a thousand bites where our faith life is not vibrant, where our relationship with God is not dialogic. We're not having a dialogue of love back and forth with the one who created us and redeemed us in Christ, where we miss out on the blessings of an offering given in faith. When we see the plans for the tabernacle, when we see this call to offering, it's that beginning of rhythm of worship. And as we understand that more fully for God's people Israel in the design of the tabernacle, we can understand more about its rhythm for us. And you'll notice in how the instructions begin that God is teaching us something. Start a rhythm of giving. And yes, it is an offering. Yes, it is financial. Certainly. There's a component to that that is real. Obedience to God's command is a tithe. Yeah, it is. And I'm not going to sit here. You know I'm not a health and wealth preacher. At least I hope you don't think I am. But you do know also that we are called to obedience. And an offering of finances is a component of that. That's what God called his people to here. Regular, consistent, done in obedience. But there's more to it than that. 
It's also give of your abilities. What does verse 8 say? Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Well, if you look at the plans for the tabernacle, the plans for the tabernacle are pretty particular, and God calls artisans and craftsmen to be involved in it. People who have what? Talent and ability to be able to worship God with those things to create a construction of his presence. Build this for me in the way that I say that you should build it. It's a call to talent. And you have them. And God be praised for it. Sarah Whitfleet blessed us this morning with a talent. God be praised. There are others who bless you with their talents. Bill DeLynn and Hans DeCock with their organizational stuff, making sure that we have the elements available. Don Morris and Terry back there with the technology. George and Marvely with just standing out there hugging everybody. All those things are talents and abilities that have been offered already today to God to glorify him. God be praised. I do that when I do my thing up here, every person. But you also do too. When you sing a song, and let me tell you, I've heard some of you, you stink. You really do. You aren't good singers. Some of you. But God don't care. God doesn't want the quality. He wants your heart tuned. God hears the heart. And guess what? If your heart is tuned, it's the hallelujah chorus done perfectly. If you see that offering bag go past, and you, as you place whatever it is that you place in there... God, be glorified in this gift, in this offering. Use it, Lord, according to your will to grow your kingdom. God, here's that heart. That's an ability that you you have the gift of giving. God blesses that. When you walk out of this place and hug somebody that you know needs a hug, needs a word of encouragement, needs support, or just needs a warm face, warm touch to care for them, That's an offering. It's an ability that you have. And God takes those abilities and he blesses them. You don't think you've got anything to offer because you can't put $50 in the offering plate? I'm here to tell you. Yeah, God calls you to give of your treasure, but he also calls you to give of you are. Give that faithfully and he will be glorified in you. And it's also give your obedience. Verse 9 says this. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I show you. That's obedience. Do what it is that I call you to do. It may not make sense to you always. It may not be clear. It may be something that you would rather do it a different way. But when you do it according to my design and not my purpose, I am glorified and that's worship. Oh yeah, and there's something else that this comes out of comes out of gratitude. Verse 1 and verse 2 say this. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man or woman whose heart prompts him to give. The source of all of this offering is gratitude. Now God, 
had redeemed Israel from Egypt, from slavery. And God's got good timing, doesn't he? I brought you out of Egypt. Okay, now you've seen me at work. You've seen the incredible thing that I've done. Now I'm taking an offering. And of course, out of the gratitude of remembering the slavery that they had before, they're going to say, yeah, absolutely. We're going to give back to you because you took us from that garbage dump that we lived in on the wrong side of Alexandria and brought us out here in freedom to be able to worship you. Of course, gold, silver, material. I don't even know what a sea cow hide is, but they gave it. Why? Because of a gratitude. God had given them freedom. How many of you know freedom in Christ? All of us. There's the gratitude. The call to gratitude is you have been given life, hope, freedom, redemption, salvation in Jesus Christ. Give out of that gratitude. And by the way, let's remember where Israel got the stuff that they were given. Turn to Exodus 12, verse 35. What did they give? The temple was built with Egyptian gold. Does anyone even notice that? How interesting is that? Because these were slaves in Egypt. They're not going to have a lot of stuff when they're slaves. When they're leading Egypt and getting out into freedom, what does God say to his people? Go up to the Egyptians. Ask them for stuff. And what happens? They give them stuff. And what do they give them? They give them gold, and they give them silver, and they give them material. What's the tabernacle built out of? Gold and silver and material. The tabernacle was built with Egyptian materials. What a beautiful thing that God does. Takes things that are coming from slavery and in new freedom, new life that he gives his people in the wilderness, says, my presence comes through that gift. I gave it to you then, now I ask for it back so you can know my presence. God does some really cool stuff here. But let's remember the best cool stuff that he did. Because God made an offering. God made an offering on our behalf. And that offering was his son. And it was his son given in love. His son given because that was the only way. It was his son because that was needed to happen. And now God says to us, do likewise. What does John 3.16 say? It says, God so loved the world that he gave. It's an offering. It's an offering on our behalf. And he calls us to have that same mindset. If God calls for it, we give it. In gratitude, in obedience, with all our ability to his glory, because he takes it and he multiplies it and he does really cool stuff. Hold everything you have loosely. Everything. Because it's mine anyway, God says to us. And when I ask for it, trust me, I won't leave you in a place 
of abject need or poverty, I will continue to provide because I am God and I love you. I gave you Jesus for for all that you need and I will continue to give you everything that you need through his work. God has confirmed his covenant with us in Christ. He equips us then through the spirit to offer everything we have in obedience and gratitude to the kingdom. And that's worship. When you and I give with that tuned heart in obedience to what God has called us to do, that's worship. When you go to your workplace tomorrow and you're really good at what you do, you bake the best doggone cookies and cakes the world has ever seen. That's worship. Caitlin, it is. It's a gift God has given you. Go and worship him with it. When he calls you into the darkness of San Bernardino, wherever that may be, be careful, young lady, young lady. But it's a gift and ability he's given you. Go and worship him with it. Wherever it is, in a classroom, in an engineering firm, in a medical professional area, in a class, whatever it is, your home, your neighborhood, Go and worship him, tuning your heart to sing his praise in whatever it is that you do. If you got a hammer in your hand, it's as well as you having a drumstick. If you have a pencil in your hand, it's just like you singing the most beautiful soprano aria in the world. If your heart is tuned to sing your praise to God with the abilities that you can offer to him in gratitude. And as we do that, we gain more of a worship rhythm. A regular activity of tuning our heart to sing his praise. A daily, a weekly, a monthly, an annual, whatever that rhythm is, I want to encourage it to you daily. Daily find a place to tune your heart. When we do that, we, God's tabernacles, constructions for his presence, we know his presence more deeply. We can hear his voice more clearly. We can love others more deeply. We can know his will more fully. And we can live in faith more boldly because when we know God's presence, we're not the one doing these things. He's doing them in us. He's the one through his spirit, which we're welcoming through that rhythm. He's the one changing us in all of these things. So our exercises of faith are God showing his faith out in us. When we are showing love to others, it's God showing his love out in us. Why? Because we know his presence more deeply. When we do whatever it is that we do... In the rhythm of regular worship, daily worship, weekly worship. It's God doing that work in us, showing himself out in us to the world around us. That's what God's presence does. And we know that presence through the work of Jesus. Who was offered likewise by his father on our behalf. This offering that we show is part of his 
design for us, his rhythm for us that shows us more and more of his presence. My question is for you, what's your rhythm? Some of you, your rhythm's solid. It's 4-4 time and it's just boom, 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 boom. Prayer, the word, serving others, giving tithes and offerings, doing the things of the kingdom of God. That's part of my rhythm. There's some of you who are in 15th, 16th time, which is a harder time, by the way. And there's some of you, you're just free-forming it. Sometimes I feel like that. I know what my rhythm is. My rhythm is get in my office early. I'm the first one in the office. Get in my office early. Spend about 10 minutes in my chair, praying, reading. Quiet time before God. I got a prayer journal I spend some time in. And the problem is sometimes that things get busy. And when they get busy, guess what goes first? The rhythm. The rhythm goes. There's a little stumble. Stub my toe a little bit and I can't quite keep time. And the next day, if the rhythm's off again, it just continues to move. But when that rhythm comes, I can hear it. I can hear it in my life. It's like a pulse. I have never left you nor forsaken you. I never let you go. I love you. I call you to love others. I call you to serve others. I call you to worship me with all that you are, with all that you do, because I gave you Jesus and out of gratitude, give back to me. I know that rhythm and I long for more of it. And I need God to come in and do more of that. We all do. My challenge as you go out from here today, simply this. Spend some time thinking about your rhythm. What do you do each day as a component of worship, as an offering to God? And if you can't define something that you do each and every day that is part of your rhythm, then my challenge, I guess, would be to you that maybe you need to rethink a little bit. Maybe you need to rethink and find a different rhythm. If there is, find out how to strengthen it. What is it that I can add to my rhythm to make the music more beautiful? And as we do so, in obedience to God and him working in us, he's more fully glorified. And he shows himself out to us in the world around because we know his presence. Would you pray with me? Praise you, O God, for the tabernacle and the call to offer that it gives to us. We pray, Father, that we can seek out your rhythm. Your rhythm for worship as you gave to your people in the Old Testament in the desert, at the bottom of the mountain. We ask, Father, that we can know that rhythm too. That we can hear these calls to obedience, calls to offering, calls to sacrifice, calls to prayer, uh, all the calls that these, these symbols from the tabernacles give to us, that we can add that to the rhythm that you've given us through the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus. And as we do so, Father, that we can hear your melody, 
your piece of beautiful music play out in our lives more fully and by doing so we can know more of your presence. Father, we ask that you continue to move in us. Change us, transform us, make us uncomfortable where we are that that rhythm might grow through your spirit's work. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus, amen.